Warning, this podcast contains adult content, including frank descriptions of sex, and lots and lots of swear words. Enjoy. I don't know if you're fucking around, but if there is a woman there... There are, these are my only complaints. One, he'll never stop talking about his kids. Two, he takes calls at any time of the night, and he won't leave the bed when he takes them, so you'll have to hear a bunch of boring shit when you're trying to sleep. And he takes very long showers that use up all the hot water. But he's good in bed, and if he ever comes back to Portland again, he's welcome over any time. Is that good, Hector? Have I wingmanned your way into her pants yet? Hey, Claire. Hey, Neil. That was a lot of fun. Who wrote that? It was me. I wrote it. I wrote it as part of my NaNoWriMo novel. NaNoWriMo. NaNoWriMo. Before we talk about how marvelous NaNoWriMo is, hi, I'm Neil. And I'm Claire. And this is FMK Lit. Where we read two romance novels normally. A straight one and a queer one, always. And we play Fuck, Mary Kill with the characters, inevitably. In- inevitably. Um, <laughs> but it is National Novel Writing Month, so we haven't been reading. We've been writing. Indeed. And we're both writing romance novels. We are! We're both writing romance novels! So maybe this time next year, we will both have romance novels out there that other people will make fun of on their podcasts. Indeed! Welcome to it! Obviously, like, this is... Doing NaNoWriMo is honestly one of the things that makes me feel pretty okay about some of the sometimes tearing down other writers, because it's like, no, 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 we will also put our shit out there, and you can also tear us down. Worry not! (laughs) (laughs) Grand. Grand. Um, Grand. So it's the the first, you know, chunk of the month, so we will be checking in about how that's going. But first, Claire. Anil. We should talk about what's got us hot and bothered. Indeed. And I am bothered. Go I am on. Bothered. Um so I work for a theater company and I had to do some props slash makeup shopping um mm-hmm. last weekend. Uh just and it post-Halloween is kind of one of the best times. I don't know if other theater people can quite relate, but, like, the Spirit Store has a shit ton of sales on things you need. And, like, a bunch of costume places and a bunch of other stuff. Like, oh, do you need a battle axe? Who knows? You might. Go get it now. Like, so it's a good time to get all this crazy shit. And, um... Are you about to do a show that references something from the year before? Get the sexy version of that as a Halloween costume fact 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 <laughs> fact this is this was actually a super good year to get flapper shit if you if you like going to flapper halloween parties or just parties in general or whatever or just because sitting around in your house dressed like a flapper yes because it's 2020 and so now it's the roaring 20s and so uh spirit store thought it that that not. was going to be the halloween costume <laughs> it is not the roaring 20s fact um it's the screaming 20s Indeed. I will also say, like, 
Uh, Spirit Store leaned pretty hard into police uniform costumes this year, which I was not sure why. But um, I will say, as a theater person, I often do buy those because you never know when you ha- you need a policeman on the cheap, like in your show. So it was like, mm-hmm. well, I guess I'm grateful. But anyway, all I needed was fucking purple face paint. That was all I needed. And, oh, and ears. Uh, elf ears. Um, so I go to Spirit Store. None. Don't have it. Not, not before Halloween. Not after Halloween. After Halloween, I was told that Michael's carries Halloween costume stuff. And that it was a good chance that they would have some. And I was like, yes, going to Michael's. Um, I went to Michael's the day after Halloween, an hour after they opened, and there was no orange in the store. It was all Christmas. They had obviously worked all night from the second they closed until the second they opened of taking out every motherfucking thing that was fall, Halloween, or anything, and just shitting Christmas all over that motherfucking store. I swear to God, there was not even orange. I looked for orange. There wasn't sales. There wasn't like the clearance section where they had Halloween shit. There wasn't the clearance section where they had dead fall leaves for your like whatever needs. No, 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 no. The the fake flowers didn't have any like any of that. It was all red, white, green, gold. Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. And I was just like, what the fuck? It was abysmal. I was so pissed. It was November fucking 1st. And it was like, we couldn't even mourn the dead holiday about the dead. (laughs) Uh, And I am definitely one of those people who's like, Christmas comes too early all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, I grew up a child of somebody who worked full time in retail. And... Christmas is like always means that that person in my life was going to be working 24 seven for all the days right up until Christmas day. And then the day after Christmas, you couldn't hang out with them because they were now doing returns. Mm -hmm. So like, you know, I've never like, I don't know. I've never had a Christmas vacation with family or never done any of that. And so like, and I've also lived the Christmas coming a earlier and earlier my whole life and this i was so upset i nearly screamed when i walked into that michaels (laughs) (laughs) that's fair i don't want to hear the word christmas until december 1st i just don't no no the only i only the mariah carey song is the only christmas thing allowed in my life Mm -hmm. when it is not december Mm -hmm. the phrase um shitting christmas i imagine a michael's late at night and all the employees are like picking up all the fall stuff as quickly as they can and little santa's elves are walking along the tops of the aisles and literally (laughs) just like pulling their pants down and shitting out christmas (laughs) but it's like a stream of glitter and then as the glitter clears there's just like christmas schlock for sale that nobody needs um, if we have anybody in our fan base who does animations, please. please. <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> that, that's that's what I picture. But yeah, I just, uh, see, this is why I love Thanksgiving. Because other than Black Friday, which is ridiculous and I've never done. Um, uh, capitalism kind of forgets about it until they, the, until 
fucking gray Thursday. Fuck off with that shit. Get the fuck right out of here. And now that whole week, anyway, but like up until um, capitalism just kind of ignores it. And then it's like, great, I'm going to see family and eat too much food. This is, this is, what, this is what I want for myself. <laughs> so. Well, that's kind of what surprised me. Because again, Thanksgiving is like the optimal like fall holiday. And there wasn't any fall, there wasn't Thanksgiving things. Like, there there wasn't, like, fake weird turkey things. There wasn't, like, lawn ornaments. Like, and I've seen, like, you know, like, a little turkey sticking in, like, like, I'm a turkey, and it's Thanksgiving time. Or, like, the flags or whatever. <laughs> I imagine it's, the, it's, like, a little turkey, and that's printed out in a speech bubble. Yeah, I'm a turkey. <laughs> anyway, that is my haunt bothered. It is dumb as shit, but I'm sticking to it. That's fair. I'm bothered, I'm bothered as hell with you about it. That's so obnoxious. Neil. Yeah. What has got you hot and bothered? Mine's a sad one. Oh. Sorry. It's my turn. I don't think well, I've done it's... a sad one. Um, Alex Trebek died. Yes. Yeah. I knew. I, I. I had a feeling that's what yours is going to yeah, be. Yeah. I'm really sad about that. And it just like. One, he just seemed like a, a fantastic human being. And then just like the the interesting place that Jeopardy had in my life growing up, like my grandma loved it. So whenever, like most of my memories of staying with her are Golden Girls and Jeopardy. And then her weird house, her, her weird house that smelled like cigarettes. Um, and then my mom is from Canada and she has this thing about like, kind of intelligent, stoic Canadian men who are successful in American media, namely Alex Trebek and Peter Jennings. Like, <laughs> they're her heroes. <laughs> and now that they both passed it, like, it's just kind of, it's just kind of sad. And, um, like, also, too, one of the things that I began to feel like I was becoming an adult was when I was able to get the answers on Jeopardy. It's like, oh, I'm becoming a grown-up now. Um... <laughs> So yeah, I just it's it's sad, and you know, obviously, um, he was getting up there in years, so it was only it was only a matter of time. But yeah, that's I just wanted to yeah to share no, that I, I so think we can mourn. Matt and I were both sad about that this morning. I think one of the things that I said was, "What's good is Alex Trebek lived a really good and full life. I don't think he had a death that was." fair to that life that he led um but he did live until he was 80 um but it's still it was like yeah it felt incredibly sad like he was somebody who was just like yeah like one of those parts of your life that you take for granted i think like a mm -hmm. calm a calm force that is stable in your life and is just somebody that feels like is always there and is reliably who they are and gives you something that is reliably good and familiar. And, and I, I, I don't know if there's anybody else right now who is that really for me. Um, so yeah, no, it's incredibly sad. It's incredibly sad. Should we talk about books we're writing? Yes. Let's do that. 
<laughs> um, Neil. Yes. Tell me about your book. All right. Um, so I'm writing a romance novel that was um, inspired by a tweet <laughs> that I will share with the world. Uh, let me just pull it up. I believe I sent you this tweet. You did send it to me. So at Austin A. Dale tweeted on uh, July 1st, 2020. After I got laid off from Metrograph and left NYC three weeks ago, I moved to Provincetown and found a job at an inn. So I now live rent-free in a Victorian bed and breakfast with a muscle daddy who likes my cooking. And basically, I go to the beach all the time to read Ovid. Uh, so, uh, dream. hashtag life goals. <laughs> um, so, uh... Yeah, so I'm writing a book that's inspired by that about um, a guy who um, is gifted a weekend at a bed and breakfast in a little town and learns about himself, learns about love, meets an attractive older gentleman, um, and that's it. No, yeah. that's that's really lovely. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about the writing so far? Oh. Just real quick, I think we skipped over this part, um, but like, let's very quickly before we talk about your writing itself and what you've written. Um, what is NaNoWriMo? <laughs> what does it stand for? What is this thing? <laughs> National Novel Writing Month, NaNoWriMo. Happens every November. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can sign up. You can, uh, if you Google nanowrimo.org, you can kind of see, like, it is very much just, like, uh, a place for everybody to gather, to write down their goals, to sort of announce that they're doing a thing. You have group support for what you're writing. Everybody who's on it is sort of writing things. It's a nonprofit organization. They're really just, a lot of, like, money money they make goes to literary and literacy programs for children and adults. Like, there's a lot of cool things that NaNoWriMo does. It feels like very grassroots. I know that it was initially founded, actually, and, like, is supported by some pretty big, like, um, like Silicon Valley startup people. But, like, honestly, they're doing good work. And, like, everybody is getting together to work on and write novels and to, like, do that goal in your life. I feel like everybody has that thing in their head where, like, I'm going to write a book. Like... At least once in your life, they think, I can write a book. I'm going to write a book. And this is a place that says, yeah, do it. Do it. Here, here. We will encourage you to do so. And they gamify it a little bit. There's little badges. You can write in your process, your progress every day. And you see the little bar go up, you know, like filling up of how many words you've put in. It's, it's delightful. It's super cute. It's super fun. Yeah. And the intention is... Um, that every day you write, is it 1,667 words? Something like that? You're just, yeah, just about. I think, like, so the that by... sort of, like, initial idea goal is almost 2,000 or, like, uh, 1,500. And then, like, depending on how much you're writing, it's sort of, like, can, yeah. the, can like, up like, or down. The, the um, suggestion, the... I don't know, because they're just like, yeah, do whatever. Um, but the sort of the the base 
line that they're working with is that everybody writes, it's like just over 1,600 words a day so that by the end of the month you've written 50,000 words. Yep. And then, you know, if you write more, great. If you don't, that's fine. Um, so, and then um, their thing is like, it's not a, it's not just about like hitting that word count. It's literally just like write every day. Just like set aside time every day and write. Mm-hmm. Um, I have not been setting aside time every day. <laughs> oh, so let's go back. Let's go back to how this has been going for you. And like, so did you have a whole outline before you started writing? I know you had an idea. But... I had an idea. I intended to outline before the first and then the last couple of weeks of October got really busy at work. So I was not able to. So in fact, my first couple of days of writing for NaNoWriMo were putting together my outline. Which doesn't get you the word count, but it's important work that I'm doing. So whatever, it's fine. And then the thing that we're very specifically not talking about happened. So it was um, a little distracting for a couple days in there to like motivate myself to get some writing done. Um, but now that I'm done with my outline, I think I, I, I'm like relearning that, oh yes, it, cause I'm used to setting it aside, like, oh, this weekend I'll set aside time to write, but I'm relearning that for NaNoWriMo specifically, like if it's not built into your day already, you have to set aside time every day, mm-hmm. um, or every day that you want to write. Um, so I'm trying to shift some stuff around so that I can be sure to have time every day to write. Um, so that's that. And like, I'm not as far as I wish I were, but you know, I have time. I'm taking some time off coming up. I have a four day weekend, so I'm going to hopefully get a bunch accomplished then. So yeah. So how many words have you written? Um, not a lot. Let me look. Hold on. Again, this is not a guilt, feel guilty about it space. Like, yeah, because I've already seen how much you've written. And so oh. um, I'm at 5,661 words. Good. Well, so I'm, good. I'm a few thousand behind, but you know, whatever. Oh, it well, no, I think it sounds delightful. Do you have things that you feel comfortable reading? Yes. Out loud to us. I I can share with you the prologue of my novel, which um, after, after I had the idea, the prologue is the first thing that came to my mind. So I was able to like write that out really fast. And then I went out and I was like, Oh, I need to outline shit. I'm not going to be a pantser this year. I'm going to try this planner business that what's his face kept talking about. Um, (laughs) Damon Swade. Oh, that asshole. Uh, So... (laughs) Um, so this is the prologue of my book. Patrick drummed his fingers anxiously against his damp jeans as he watched the floors inch past. He'd been caught in a sudden storm and now he was soaking wet, turning the elevator into the world's worst steam room. His other hand gripped the keys to his boyfriend's apartment in his pocket like a talisman. He had a penchant for thinking out, in vivid detail, the worst possible scenario in any situation and did his best not to do that now. 
There were plenty of logical reasons why his boyfriend had missed dinner and didn't respond to his texts and wasn't answering his phone. The doors finally screeched open and Patrick vaulted into the hallway. He forced himself to walk, not run, thinking that this would somehow keep the situation from being dire. He fumbled the keys in the lock and swore under his breath when he dropped them. He stood and took a slow, steadying breath. As if this were any other day, he let himself into the apartment and flipped the, lights on, the light on. Wes, he called. Silence. No, there was something. A sound of weight shifting and murmured voices. Wes, he called again as he turned the corner to open the bedroom door. It took him a moment to register what he was seeing. Wes's head was thrown back, his eyes closed as he muttered up into the air. Patrick's eyes traveled down his torso to a tousled blonde hair where Wes's crotch should be. This effortlessly styled hair led to a long, lean back that ended in a tiny, pert butt. Are you fucking kidding me? Patrick sighed to the room. Oh, hey, babe, Wes said, lifting his head and squinting one eye open against the glare of the hallway light. What are you doing here? Making sure you weren't dead. I've been trying to get in touch with you for almost an hour. Oh, sorry about that, Wes said, lazily reaching over to grab his phone. Oh, yeah, look at that. Sorry, it was on silent. Despite the interruption, the young blonde kid, no more than 20, really, didn't stop blowing Wes. We were supposed to hang out, Wes asked, moaning slightly as the young blonde did something new with his tongue. Yeah, we were meant to have dinner, Patrick said, trying for once not to be the emotional one. Wes scrolled lazily through his phone. Oh, yeah, at Maison Gastro. How did you snag those reservations? That place is booked for months. Yeah, I booked it a few months ago. I wanted to celebrate today, Patrick said pointedly. The petty bitch in him was taking over, and he wanted to see how long it would take Wes to catch on. Oh, shit, did I forget our anniversary? West asked with a sigh. You know I'm not good at that. No, it's not our anniversary, Patrick said brittily. He didn't bother pointing out that they had always celebrated their anniversary with takeout and marathon sex. Meanwhile, the blonde still slurped at Wes's cock. Um, Wes tried to come up with something, but shuddered when the blonde changed his pace. Was it something work-related? Hey, twinks are us. Can we have the room? Patrick finally snapped. The blonde sat up and wiped at his mouth. I've always found that it's really important to talk honestly about your feelings, he said, blinking his doe eyes at Patrick. I'll keep that in mind. Now if you'll excuse us, Patrick growled. The nubile youth gave a shrug and slid gracefully off the bed before strutting out into the hall. Patrick bristled in inwardly at how well endowed he was. Patrick turned back to Wes and did his best not to let his face take on the exact same expression his mother's did when she was this angry. I can't believe you did this to me. What, Tab? I didn't think I'd have to, Wes started. Is that really his name? Patrick snorted. No, it's not Tab. I don't mind whom you fuck as long as we each prioritize the other for going out or hooking up. That's what we agreed on, Wes. Yeah, babe, I know. It just slipped my mind, okay? You've done the same to me a couple times. I'll make it up to you. I'll take you somewhere really nice for your birthday. Wes, the issue isn't that you brought home some Republican politician's sugar baby, and I could forgive you for forgetting a random dinner because despite it being a totally dick move for you to throw that in my face right now, I've done the same. But the reason why I'm so mad, and the reason why we've had this planned for so long, and the reason why I got us reservations at Maison Gastro is because it is my fucking birthday. And that's the prologue. Oh my god, I love it so much! <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's 
so good. I love, I love how it like we get a good idea of their relationship. We get a good idea of like the things they've agreed to. We get a good idea of how, like, awful, like that if it was just a normal day and he'd walked in on his partner having sex with another guy, he'd be like, "Well, this is rude of you to not have told me that you were going to be doing this." <laughs> but I will leave and let this finish. And now it's like, no. And I love that you withheld the birthday thing, but like that, because I was wondering, I was like, what kind of thing would be so important that he would have like, uh, known this months in advance and expected a partner to be there. And I was like, oh my God. And then that just says so much that his partner did not fucking plan anything for this man's birthday. Ugh. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. I loved it. Oh. <laughs> oh, this Republican sugar. Oh, so good. <laughs> so that's what I said earlier before we started recording. I have sex, but it's not really sexy. <laughs> oh, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And this has been in your head for a while. This has been bubbling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so then to give a little bit of insight, the rest of the book is uh, Patrick staying at this bed and breakfast. His friend booked him and Wes, like, the romantic lover's getaway weekend. <laughs> and he goes and, like, does it by himself kind of thing. So. Excellent. Yeah. Oh, oh, I love it. it so I love I it so, so much. Oh, no, it's great. I feel like you should be really proud of that. Like, I don't know. If you walked away from this and that was all you had, ah, good. <laughs> so good. I just wrote a short story. <laughs> the birthday disappointment. Mm-hmm. Ah, like, I muted my mic so that you could just keep talking without interruptions because I laughed so hard so often. Oh, and good. It, it was it was really good. So congratulations. Thank you. <sighs> so Claire, what about you? How are you doing? How has this process been for you? Um well it's been really good. Um I think this is sort of going par for the course. Right now I have about um nineteen thousand words. So um Okay, Miss Overachiever. <laughs> so now here's the thing though. I normally am a planner, mm-hmm. and this time I'm pantsing it. <laughs> oh my god! So We're like, switching. I, I did show you the little bit of outline that I had so far, but it was mm-hmm. that was just what I needed to kind of get through the next couple of days of writing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so normally I'm the little bit of the little bit of planning I did was I think on day two of writing, and it was mostly just to kind of make sure that I kind of knew where the roadmap was. But it's really thin, and in fact, as I'm writing, it's becoming blatantly obvious that what I'm writing is like an extended outline, <laughs> like it's just like I that ha- asshole said. Yeah, I think I have, like, 43 pages of an outline, I guess. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> with, God. With some dialogue in the middle. Um, yeah, and I think, like, <laughs> I think a lot of it is, a lot of it is pretty good. And most of it is really kind of t- terrible. Um, all of the things that I complain about on the podcast are the things that I'm doing. Um, if I've ever yelled at a podcast, you're 
moving the tub stop moving the tub i'm absolutely doing that kind of shit like it's just like it's taking forever for things to happen i don't know i don't even know if i've started this fucking story yet i'm 43 pages in and i don't know if it's even started so like (laughs) it is yeah i've it is an embarrassing mess in some ways yeah, uh, similar when I was like doing outlining, I was like, okay, well, why does this person do this? Or how do we create tension here? And I was like, oh, this. And I just like pulled from trope and it's like, oh, that's a good idea. No, wait, Neil, you hate it when people do that. Don't do that. You hate that <laughs> trope. Don't use that trope. Why is it just like popping into your head right now? Stop it. It's like, oh, he learns that he doesn't need his big city life because it lo- no, Neil, shut up. You fucking hate that. Find a different reason. <laughs> And I did. Good, good. Um, yeah, I will have to say that I'm I'm also discovering a lot of things like okay. So my book, what my book is about, it's uh it's a woman who's running away from her ex because he's dangerous. She inherits this tiny house in the middle of nowhere in a very small town. And she sort of has to rehabilitate the house. And while she's doing that, she also needs to make some extra money on the side. So she rents out the second room. Is it going to be like that witch's book? We're going to talk about the layout of the house 60,000 times and then chilly. So far only talked about it once. But yes, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So she needs to make some extra money on the side. So she's going to rent out her second bedroom. And it turns out that the guy she rents it out to is super hot. They start to flirt. Then they have an affair. And it's very lovely. And then she finds out he's actually kind of a private detective who's hunting down her ex and is using her to get to him. Oh, no. Yeah. And so and in the end, they end up together because this is a romance but um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that that is all I walked. Spoilers, Claire. Spoilers, but that is all I walked into this book with, and mm-hmm. um, I've had to discover a lot of things along the way, <laughs> like how bad was he? What did we mean, X? How long were they together? And so, like, I'm discovering that as I'm writing, which is not always great. And so, because the tension all goes away, or you have to find it, so there's not a lot of good storytelling. Um, but I'm saying this and I've said this to like you and I've said this to like other people when I'm talking about the book, I've said it to somebody else who's on NaNoWriMo and everybody's trying to comfort me. Like, no, 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 it's okay. It's the process. And I want to say, I'm not saying bad things about myself. I'm just telling the (laughs) truth. I feel really happy with where I am right now. This is so much fun. I'm having a great time. Now you know what it's like to be a pantser in a planner's world. No, absolutely. And it's 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 kind of funny and, and like it, it there is also that planner part of me that is that gets frustrated and it's like oh if i knew what was supposed to happen i wouldn't have fucked this part up and we're inside this one woman's head an awful lot which is also like frustrating because um i wanted this to be just one-sided and just in her head but also because she's alone and lonely in the world it is really just her <laughs> She's in a new town and she doesn't know anybody and she's sad. It's like, like, ooh. Does she have a supportive female friend? She does. Great. Great. That's all we need, right? And I love the shit out of this woman. She's great. 
Uh, she's the real estate agent who closed up the deal on the house. Mm-hmm. And Margaret is, my main character, Margaret, is so in her head that she doesn't even remember this woman's name. And later that night shows up to a bar because she just needs to, like, get out of the house and get a drink. And there's the real estate agent. And she turns and she's like, Margaret, oh, my God, I was just telling my husband about you. And and the husband works the bar. And and she's like, who buys that shitty house without seeing it on cash? (laughs) Because now, like, all of, like... Because she was professional before and now she's drunk at a bar. So... (laughs) And Margaret... And Margaret's like, oh, and tells her. And suddenly Teresa and Teresa's husband are like Margaret's best new friends. They're like, oh, my God, we can get you a new refrigerator. Why don't I come over to the house tomorrow with my truck? We'll load it up and take shit to the dump. Oh, my God, you should totally do this. You know, there's jobs available at the university. Like, they're just going on and on. And, like, like Teresa's like, oh, my God, I got to give you hugs. Your husband sounds like a dick. And, like, Charles is like... I'm so sorry for you. Like, don't worry about it. Do you need money? And she's like, I could not take money from you guys. I just (laughs) met you. And that's insane. And he's like, I get it. And I appreciate that about you. Also, let's take your shit to the dump. And it's like, oh, (laughs) oh, that's so sweet. So then I had to get rid of them because they were too nice. So now they're on vacation for two weeks. And Margaret's alone again. (laughs) (laughs) They would have solve too many problems yeah no, they would solve all their problems <laughs> <laughs> because the trope that i'm working against that you and i have both complained about a lot is the main character not making their own decisions mm-hmm. and um and just having to sort of fly by the whims of fate and not actually being present in their lives I think margaret's at a point in her life where she's not present and it is really hard for her to be so um but so that's part of the struggle. Like I'm trying to make it part of her struggle is to continually make choices for herself. Mm-hmm. So that is what's happening. Anyway. Um, so shall I read some of this? Please. As well? Since Please. you read some of yours. You. I mean, you don't have to, but I would love no, it if you did. I think we should. I think we should. Okay. The Applebee's was busy. <laughs> so- <laughs> Sorry, sorry. No, no, sorry. no, 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 no. It's fine. It's totally fine. It is appropriate to laugh. I'll, I'll do my best to give you the, the space. Sorry. No, don't. It's fine. Uh, the Applebee's was busy, though the waitress said it wasn't as busy as when school is in session. Margaret got there early to set herself up with a drink and then fretted about whether or not to eat food. She didn't want to read things from her phone and burn out its battery. She had brought a book, but she couldn't focus on the words, and it sat uselessly next to her. God, how long was she going to have to... Margaret? Hector stood next to the table looking down. The waitress said this. Uh, Hector! Uh, yes, uh, Margaret, um, uh, please take a seat. Haltingly, they exchanged greetings. Margaret tried to think, was he nervous, or was he pretending to be nervous? Uh, was he marrying her energy, which was nervous, uh to make him like to make her like him more she was trying to figure out what exactly was happening he was older than she expected he was in his 40s but very good looking his eyes were brown and his skin was dark and thick hair that was all salt and pepper remained boyishly frumpy around his head stubble around his face but broad shoulders and he was fit 
Margaret took it all in for a second, and at the same time was embarrassed about how easily he had slid into her brain. This was a mistake. I'm surprised. I expected you to be younger. Margaret decided that she'd be nice about it, but now that, now that she'd get to him, she had to admit he couldn't possibly be looking for a room. He was looking for her. You don't look like someone who needs a roommate, she said. What does someone who needs a roommate look like? I, I mean, I'm saying this is a very tiny town in New Mexico and houses are cheap and you aren't fresh out of college. Margaret wavered her hand over him and his body as evidence against him. She looked around for the waitress because, fuck it, she was going to have a shot with her beer. True, but I didn't intend on staying here. I'm only here for a few months, and then I'm going to Georgia. I'm like a fix-it guy. They bring me in to fix things, so I move from place to place a lot. Um, and your home base is in Oakland, uh, since that's where your phone number is from. She was sure she was going to catch him in a lie. She needed to think like her ex-husband Mitchell. What would Mitchell do? And how would he lie to her? Honestly, she didn't really know, but that web was still so tight and far away, and only a few threads were undone. Uh, yeah, sort of. I didn't really have a home anywhere, and that's just where my pop is. Um, I live with him when I'm there. The waitress came by then. Hector seemed grateful that the third degree came to a pause. He ordered a beer and a burger. Margaret felt bad about wanting a shot, so she stuck to another beer and a basket of fries. How about you? Hector said before Margaret could begin the next round. You also don't look like someone who needs a roommate. As you said, houses are cheap here. Why do you need someone to, be, to pay part of the rent? Margaret thought. What if she didn't lie? What if she just told him everything? If he was on some kind of mission to suss her out, to even hurt her, what would it matter then? Or how? Honestly, my husband ran away with all my money and stole my identity. I moved here because my mother bought me a house here, and I had nowhere else to go. I'm hiding from him, but I need money. So, I don't pay rent, but I can't make the bills on my own. And there, it was that easy. Let's see what he does. Oh, Wow, that's heavy. Hector looked around and looked for the waitress. And that's all I'm going to read. Great. Um, okay, I enjoyed it. Margaret <laughs> at the beginning is my entire 2020 mood. <laughs> just like, I have all of these things at my disposal, but just like... Oh, the effort. <laughs> oh. Um, and I um, really like, because at first when she was like, he's, he's here for me, obviously, knowing the premise of the book, I was like, yeah, how is she discovering it so early? What? what? Um, but then it's like, oh, she, like, it's a re reflection of, like, her being on the, on the run from her ex, and then, like, so I, I really enjoyed the part where she's like, you know, I'm going to do something bold and I'm going to do something brassy. I'm going to tell the truth. And like <laughs> the fact that that's like an unusual gambit for her, like really says a lot about her and like the state of mind that she's in right now and the relationship that she used to have. So like, 
I want to know what it was like with Mitchell, but I also don't because I know it was awful. <laughs> well, and that's kind of what I'm like playing around with is that it wasn't awful with Mitchell. Like that's the worst part is that it was actually really nice with Mitchell um, for the most part. Like they were good together and it was pleasant and it was like on the surface and on the outside, even from what she was experiencing at the time, it was a good relationship. And then the moment she discovered the first big lie and then everything unraveled, mm-hmm. she starts looking back and she's realizing it wasn't as good as a relationship as she thought it was. The pleasant times that they had weren't as good. And she starts to question if he even loved her or even if like what was real and what wasn't, what was lies and that everything starts to feel like a lie and she can't even trust what feels good to her anymore. Uh. Um, right before this conversation, cause she put her phone number up for somebody to call. And then when she got the phone call, it was from an unknown number that was an Oakland number and she's from San Francisco. So she freaked the fuck out. Because she thought, nobody knows this number except my mother anymore, and this isn't my mother. And so she has a horrific panic attack. And thinking that someone's come after her, her husband has found her, all kinds of things. And so she pretty much just blacks out on her, like, bathroom floor because she's so panicked. And when she finally gets brave enough to listen to the message, it's just Hector, just like being, hey, this room, like, I guess, you know, I, I, I've I, got a roommate here, but I fucking hate this guy. Um, <laughs> you posted like, your number online. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did, didn't I? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And she's like, oh, I remember choices I made. <laughs> <laughs> and she's actually going there that night, not even to encourage him to stay with her or to actually rent the room. Because she's kind of changed her mind on that and realized maybe that wasn't such a good idea. Mm-hmm. She's gone specifically to see if he's some sort of guy who's looking for her. Mm-hmm. So, like, she's trying to play mind games the whole time, but she's no place to play mind games. She is not, like, she's not stable enough to play mind games. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think, but your number's from Oakland. I'm going to catch him in a lie. Do like, it. Oh, yeah, like... I have ties there, so that's where I got my phone number. Yeah. Ah, foiled again. <laughs> foiled. Yeah, so she's... And then in the end, like, they have a lovely time at the restaurant. And he goes back with her to the house to, like, look at the room. Because she pretty much says, so she's like, okay. And he's like, no, actually, I think this could work out great. And she's like, actually, I think it would too. But you're going to hate the room, so you're not going to want to take it once you see it. And the house is shitty. It's a shitty fucking house. Like, it is not a nice place. It's not a nice place to live at all. And they, she takes Hector back to the house, and he's like, holy shit, you're living here? <laughs> and she doesn't have any furniture, because she had to escape with nothing. She had to sell everything just so she could leave. So she basically has whatever furniture the house came with and a blow-up mattress in her room. Like, so it doesn't Oof. look good. Oof, I do. So, the, so he just stands in the middle of what would be his room and just like with his arms crossed and this look on his face like, I'm a man in my 40s. I'm not doing this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm too old for this. No. And she's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> but they have a genuinely nice time. Okay. Um, What we'll find out later is that he 100% is a private detective. He 100% saw, knew that this was her number. 
It's and, just more lies. Well, and the thing is, we're going to find out he's telling the truth about a lot of things. Like, mm-hmm. he does move around a lot. He does have other jobs around. Like, the one thing he lied about was why he was having a job here. But he does live with his father in Oakland and all those kinds of things. Like, so that's all true. Mm-hmm. And then when he gets there to her house, like, at first he genuinely thinks this is perfect. I'll just live with her. And then when her husband comes, I'll just get him. Um, but when he gets there, he realizes how shitty her life is. And he's like, I cannot take advantage of a woman like that. (laughs) (laughs) That is bad. (laughs) And he's also realizing like, she's not in a good headspace. Mm -hmm. Like she is fucked up from this and she Mm -hmm. is a victim and he cannot be bad to her. Mm-hmm. So he's not going to take the house or take the room. Um, so where I am in the writing process now, she's sort of had a really good day. And she's like, fuck it. I'm going to clean up this house. I'm going to make it livable. So she like woke up early. She ripped out all the u- ugly carpet. Um, and she's like gone to the hardware store and she's like getting paint and like and like everybody she meets is like sort of like helping her out. Like she's at the hardware store like, "Oh, I just need paint to repaint my walls." And he's like, "And I'm just going to, you know, I need sealant for the uh for the concrete. I'm just going to do it Swedish style." And he goes, "I've seen that in Architectural Digest because I'm a young man who normally goes to the university. Uh I'm on board. Do you want weird ass paints that I make on my own?" <laughs> and she's like, do you want some "Yes." Of <laughs> some of my undercover paints some of my yes and so he he sneaks her a bunch of paints and supplies that are just like (laughs) like he's some sort of paint drug dealer yeah (laughs) i got my street paint yeah he she goes to a consignment store and she finds like um a shitty but nice looking like a set of uh mid-century modern furniture because Mm -hmm. honestly if you're in new mexico in the consignment store you were gonna find that shit (laughs) so so she's like yeah, I will take that $50. Why is that $50? And the old lady's just like, mm. <laughs> and so she gets away with that. And the old lady's like, hey, if you're looking for furniture, there's a whole estate sale up the street. And she goes and the estate, and she tells the estate lady a lie. She's like, oh, yeah, my house burned down and I have nothing. And the estate lady is like, I'm a good Christian woman. I'm going to get you a deal. And just, like, starts throwing things at her. She's like, oh, you'd better leave with all of this. You're going to need this. And so she just, like, puts things. She pays $200 for basically, like, a shit ton of things. (laughs) Good. So, yeah, that's where we are now. That's where I am in the writing process. She's refurbishing the house. And then well, Hector's going to come back. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be like, oh, maybe she's sane now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway. So, yeah. That's the writing process. Um, mm. I think now we were going to open this up to Christine to ask us questions, to probe our minds. Hey, Christine. Hi. How's it going? <laughs> Hello. I am very excited about this whole project. I really love it. <laughs> this is amazing. Um, so I have, like right off the bat, I have maybe four genres of questions. Um, so the first one, 
I am not a novelist. I've never tried to even write anything like prose like this. I've written short stories here or there. I've written parts of plays, but it's different. What is the word count on this again? If somebody doesn't have it, is it 50,000 words? Uh, the, uh, yeah, the goal is 50,000 is 50, words. 50,000 so like, words. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um... So I guess I was, I am still thinking about this pantsers versus planners thing, right? <laughs> like I am, I am so fascinated with this idea because like I am a musician and I was thinking there is like writing music, there is um, something similar to it <laughs> where it's like through compared through composed versus variation are kind of the other two things where like through composed is like kind of like pantsers style where it's like you're just going through the whole piece and it's like new music throughout the whole thing like new ideas and stuff throughout the whole piece of music mostly like classical um or like serious music as i would say and then there's variation which is I guess you just don't have something like that in literature where you just kind of like, you know what? We're just going to plop over the same eight measures <laughs> later and just it's a variation. Unless, is there something like that? Are you guys like repeating anything or is that mostly just the tropes that you're going to come back to? Um, I The way I outlined it, I am repeating themes. So like... Um, what I like, what I've always liked to do in my writing is sort of bookend with like repeating themes. So like whatever we see at the beginning is either undone or redone, but better and near the end. And so, and, and like one of the ways that I've enjoyed writing and have found that it is interesting is if like you carry, you carry your rhythms and themes, uh, through to the middle and then in the middle, at the crux of the story, it's almost like you're either rebuilding or undoing from there. And it's almost like a mirror of what just happened. Mm. And so you kind of see, like, what played out, and then you see it redoubled in the next half. And it's um, sometimes. And sometimes uh, sometimes I found, like, it's interesting to, to, to plot them in, like, a little bit more randomly. And so in this particular case, like we deal a lot with the house in the first quarter of the book and how that is reflective of her insides and how she's sort of rebuilding her insides. And so then the last half of the book is going to be a teardown of the house where the things that she's built in herself are being torn down again. Like how much of that was good, how much of that was worthwhile. And some of it isn't going to be, and this isn't like meant to be a place she's supposed to stay and live. But does she have to re-choose the house? Does she have to reform the house after a little bit? Does it, in a sense, burn down? Those sorts of things. I like even more that she's getting all this cheap consignment furniture now. Like, after hearing that, where it's like she's just going to populate her insides with some, like, you know, used things and things that already have a little bit of history to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like that. That she got from a dead person. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Someone who has moved on from this realm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it. Uh, and, you know, so I guess kind of like a broader question. So, Neil, you were mentioning that 
you're not writing like every day. And like that is a thing like I feel like I talk about that a lot in just like as I'm like trying to you know, had that relationship with my own creativity, like a lot of people do that are creative types that are like, well, you know, what if I don't write every day? What if I'm not creative every day? And like, you know, do you have that? Like, I have to do something creative every day. And it's not necessarily this project. Do you find yourself kind of cycling in and out? And I know like NaNoWriMo is a very special thing, because you're writing like, like, the whole purpose of it is to have this condensed period of time where you're, like, working towards a very specific goal. But, like, I don't know. What do you have to say about that idea where it's, like, it's got to be every day, but then you're also cycling through different projects? Like, do you think about that a lot? Is that just me? Yeah, it's... <laughs> um, I feel like there, there are definitely people who are able to do NaNoWriMo. And I think it's, like do you already have the discipline or do you, have you already formed the habit that you like have set aside time for this already? Um, and you know, every so often I'm like, Oh, well I could definitely write a few books a year if I were a professional writer. Cause I wouldn't have to worry about anything else, which of course is, is a gross oversimplification, right. but it's right. just like, for me, uh, in my normal life when it's like, okay, I need to take care of this. I'm, I tend to be really deadline oriented. So it's like, okay, mm -hmm. I have this project and it has to be done by this time. So I'm able to like carve out time for it to fit it into my schedule as opposed to NaNoWriMo really encourages you to, to like do that every day. And there's even like one of the little badges is like, oh, give yourself this badge if you've been writing somewhere that you shouldn't be writing, like you should be doing something else, but you've actually done a little <laughs> bit of writing instead. And it's like, I wish that I, like, I don't, that's not um, easy for me to like make that switch. So that's what I'm trying to work on is to like be better about making, setting aside time more often. But then I'm also, because it's me, I have to like stop myself from getting upset about it. Cause it's mm -hmm. like, I should have done some writing yesterday, but I baked a cake instead. So that's fine, because now I have cake. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I have, and I have time to, to, like, make up for. So, like, I can, I can be like, okay, well, I didn't write Saturday. So that's extra time that I can, like, set aside other places to make up for it. And so it's it's a lot of, like... It's like playing Tetris with my calendar for me, right. which can get really stressful. And for some people, that's not the case. So, Yeah, the the discipline thing, too, and, like, already having that, like, discipline and structure in your life is, like, such a, it's such a catch-22, you know? Like, I don't know if this translates to anything, like, that's, like, in the writing world, but one of the things that I feel like I've been having a lot of conversations with like my musician friends are like there's a thing that it's like if you play an instrument if you don't practice for one day you know you can tell the difference if you don't practice for two days your teacher can tell the difference <laughs> and if you don't practice for three days your audience can tell the difference so, but it's like a real catch 22 because sometimes you just want to bake a cake and sometimes you just want to bake a cake every 
day for a week. And then yeah. you're just like, oh, am I going to catch up? And Yeah, especially you know. now. Like, with yeah. just the state of the world. It's, like, harder for me to feel creative and inspired. Mm-hmm. When it's just, like... I, like, I'm exhausted about being stressed out about everything. It's like, I could go do writing, or I could just watch another season of The Amazing Race. Yep. You know? Yeah, it's that intersection of, like, focus and inspiration that's, like, can be really tricky. Mm-hmm. Very, very tricky. Agreed. I think, for me, um, the way... Two things are kind of at play. The way I got started was like just an hour. If I can just time myself for just an hour, like, and in the morning sort of plan it out. Okay, so my hour will start at 8 p.m. tonight. So I know Mm. I can like sort of round out my day around that. Like at 8 p.m. I'm starting the hour. Um, And so that's, and like, and also, I don't have to write more than that. Like, I, And I don't have to fill that whole time with writing. Like, if I've just set aside that time, and I'm at the computer, and I'm looking at the page, good. Then, like, if I even only type out 20 words, at least for that hour, that's what I set aside. And so, like, that's kind of how my guiding principle of going into this has been. Um, the other thing is that I know myself and at the beginning of any process like this I am super excited and I am way on board and I am really thrilled and so I also know in a couple of days that thrill is going to be gone (laughs) and and that's when I'm going to really have to force myself so it's not like um so like last time we did NaNoWriMo um I did so much of my word count in the first two weeks and then nothing after that. And that's, and I only got like halfway through the the, the word count and just didn't push through and couldn't do more. Um, and so that's where I'm going to start to feel afraid. Like I feel really good about it now. And what am I going to feel like in a week when I'm struggling to get that hour in? Nice. I really love, your hour like I love it I love everything about it like because I feel like I maybe have about half of those habits like okay it's just it's just 15 minutes and like you know you just it's okay if you don't do any more than 15 minutes but like I like your your kind of like this is what it is and when it's gonna start and having that like planned out too I will also say um, I do not apply that to other things in my life, like <laughs> exercise. No, like easily could do that and say like, oh, at 6 p.m. tonight, you're going to start going for a walk and you're going to walk until you're done walking. doesn't matter if you only walk for five minutes or if you walk for an hour. Good job, Claire. But here's me in real life. 6 p.m. You're going to start walking. I look out the window. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, like, it's sort of like even what what Neil was saying about Tetrising your schedule. Like, I really question whether or not our lives, the way they are now, are like, and I mean, not just like 2020 COVID, all this stuff, but just what 21st century, 20th century to life is like, whether or not you can have discipline for more than one thing at a time, you know, are just jobs and life priorities and 
trying to do dishes, which I have, you guys just don't want to know what my kitchen looks like, but uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, ugh. But um, yeah, yeah so I, like whether or not that's a possibility is like, like a logistical possibility. So you make your choices and usually like it's creativity or something else, so. Part of why I'm taking time off this coming weekend is specifically because my bathroom is so disgusting. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm taking a day off work so that I can like finally clean my my room and just nice. like stop being upset at myself for it. Yes. Because <laughs> otherwise, like, I'd, otherwise I'd, I'm not going to have the time or the motivation. Because yeah. <laughs> I could clean my shower or I could bake a cake. I mean, I the mean, choice is clear. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have one other, um, I have two other questions. One, you might not want to answer because it might be giving too much away, but are there any tropes that you're like looking forward to, uh, to writing or attempting to even draft at because you hate them. <laughs> like it's a real love hate kind of thing, which I know is a trope, but uh, I don't know. Oh, um, okay, it's a rich so... Batman millionaire kind of pop up and <laughs> one of the consignment shops. <laughs> gonna be the um, plaster guy or something <laughs> I, I'm I mean like, <laughs> like tropes i hate like really hate are like magic dick saves saves the world mm -hmm. um uh you were crazy now you've had good dick and you're fine um uh like these are things i hate that i'm not we're not gonna get to like she's going to solve all of her problems and she's gonna get good dick so like <laughs> That's, that's. I wish the... I could say the same. <laughs> um, I'm not even doing either of those things right now. Goodness. Um, There's a lot I... of pharmaceutical companies that are happy that getting a good dicking down does not actually solve your mental illnesses. So. Oh man, and I think like, I don't know other other tropes I hate like, um the woman who is like the mean girl who's making who you have to fight against mentally so that you can also be better like you're like finally stand like that's the proof that you're able to stand up for yourself as you're able to stand up to the bully i don't like doing that either uh, so i know that there's tropes i i do hate that i'm writing into this and i don't know what they are yet until i probably read it through and be like oh no good no good so we'll see We'll see. I think there's tropes that I do love that I'm looking forward to. And, um, cause fuck it. Why not? Oh, sad in the rain kisses. Yeah. Oh. Sounds great. <laughs> oh, um, I just cannot handle it anymore. And I need to fuck you right now. And we're going to walk to each other with purpose from across a room. Yes. <laughs> That's all good. Gonna do it. Um, Oh, one trope I always hate, which is the misunderstanding trope. Like, that if we had just talked it out in the second, all of our misunderstandings would have been clarified, and in fact, we would be fine. That, like, it feels like the, oh, that's what you meant moment. I hate that, and I that is one thing I'm trying to avoid at all costs. 
Yeah. If he tells her at any moment that he's a private detective looking for her husband, she will not like it. There is no moment where she's going to think that's a good thing in her life. <laughs> and, like, he's going to have to make up for it, and it's a hard thing to make up for. And that's, like, so that's, that's what I'm going for. Like, no misunderstandings at that level. And maybe or maybe not, people are going to be surprised by their feelings. <laughs> yes. Like, well, we'll oh, Never. I'm an adult woman. I have feelings. <laughs> oh, yeah, I definitely don't want that. I don't want the, what is this feeling I'm having? She, see, she sees Hector at that Applebee's and is like, fuck, that's a hot guy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yep. yep. Um, I'm having, <coughs> like, another like the other man um where our patrick gets to town and sort of strikes up a a friendship slash hookup ship with someone who's not the main guy and that is a point of tension but it's not because of the jealousy it is because of the two main people's like views on relationships and just like they feel differently about relationships and so that's where the tension comes from, not just like, oh, I'm jealous, or like, oh, here's a person that because he's not the one that he's meant to be with, this person is an asshole and a garbage person. No, he's going to be great. And they're all oh. going to be friends at the end. So it'll be a genuine, dis difficult kind of decision, not just a, this guy sucks, why would you be with him? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, not so much, uh, well, kind of, it's going to be... Uh, okay, well, this is what I want from a relationship. Okay, this is what I want from a relationship. These aren't exactly the same. Can we, like, figure it out? So. Like adults. Oh, my God. Like, like <laughs> adult human beings. Yep, 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 yep. I'm, I'm going to have the sassy old woman. So I actually, I actually have two old women. One of them is sassy, and one of them is kind of like... Um, What's the word? Is daughtering? Daughtering is a word, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So she's so the lady that that cleans at the bed and breakfast. The first time we see her is when Patrick will be like finally getting settled in his room and he'll start unpacking and then he hears the toilet flush and she just comes out of the bathroom and she's like, "Oh hi!" and just sort of like <laughs> wanders about. It's just like what? Um, but then I'm gonna have the sassy old lady who's the florist in the little mm. town. And she's going to say things that you don't expect old ladies to say. But, yeah. hey, old ladies had and probably still have very full sex lives. So, <laughs> My last question is maybe a silly one and maybe not. But it's something I have always been curious about on people who write novels. How do you come up with your names? Tab. Uh. <laughs> Um, well, like, do you just like ooh, use a generator um, I will say, or something or like, I've definitely, I've definitely like done gen name generators. Um, I also like looking at names that were popular in the year my characters were born. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. based and even like looking at the region, like based on the region they were born and the year they were born, what names were popular according to the census. Um, and so if I want like somebody who's sort of normal or normie or fighting their normalcy, I go for the names that are in the top 10. 
And if I want somebody who feels a little bit more personal to me, I usually go for the names that are in the bottom 1,000 or 100. So, like, I kind of, I do, I use that a lot. Um, I also kind of look at, like, what are names of people that we normally associate with, like, baddies or, like, whoever. Like, if I were going to write a, um, an asshole butler from the 1920s, his name is going to be Chadwick. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so it, so the, I, I think a name has its own tropes as well. So like, and if and if I'm gonna have like, if one of the tropes is gonna be that the love interest has like a nickname for our main character, then I'll definitely find a name that can be nicknamed in a in a way that feels nice. Or yeah, sometimes you start with the nickname and then reverse engineer the name. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's how I do it. Um, I also uh, revert to the same names an awful lot. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of Johns in my writing. There's a lot of like um, for for one reason in my twenties there was a lot of Jacks. I'm ne- I don't think I've ever actually met anybody named Jack, but there was a lot of Jacks in my twenties. Um, Clarifying question with an X. No. Claire. Okay. <laughs> I say never, um, but if I ever did a search, I wonder. But no, never. Um, and and honestly, sometimes I pick names for my family, but if only because I want to, uh, I kind of want to have some personal affection for them. So like, I'm sort of dressing them in my own feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's not them. It's, I've never written one of my actual family members into a script. So, sorry, Aunt Margaret, this isn't actually you in this book. Um, but I do have a lot of affection for that person, and so, like, I'm dressing it in that affection. Um, and then sometimes it's celebrities. I'm like, um, this celebrity X is super fucking hot, and I'm imagining that person as I'm writing them, so they get a name that's adjacent. So, mm-hmm. so it's not them, but it's adjacent. Yeah, the other love interest in mine, Patrick's love interest, um, he uh, has a very Cary Grant quality about him. So I'm like, Ooh. oh, his his mom named him after Cary Grant. So mm-hmm. his name is Cary. Um, and then like my sassy old lady, I'm like, what's a fun sassy old lady name? Magda. There we go. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then for my main character, his name started out as, because I was like writing the prologue and I hadn't thought of names yet. So I just like picked Eric randomly. And I'm like, ah, oh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, that doesn't quite feel right. Because it's just like, for me, I like when main characters' names are not super common. Um, so like Patrick to me, it's not a particularly common name, but it's not so uncommon that you would never meet someone named Patrick. Um, so that's what I like to do. Like, if if it's... Unless, like, their name is part of the thing, just, like, pick a name that, um, that feels right, which I know is a silly thing to say, but, like, you know, you picture certain qualities when you hear a name. Like, like a Patrick and a Eugene sound like very different people. Mm-hmm. Um... So unless unless it's like the character unless it's like oh the character is the exact opposite of what you expect from someone with that name or they're exactly like what you expect someone with that name, um, 
but for me, a main character who's sort of like, in some ways, a stand-in for the audience. It's like, okay, let's pick a name that is, isn't too common, but isn't too uncommon, but still feels kind of like. Because you know, it's like if your main character's name is John, then you can't have any other Johns in the book unless there's a thing about there being too many Johns, and it's like, well, that doesn't make sense because I know like twenty of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, and then I'll you also would say be... like, sorry, if I if if I move beyond this draft, um, I'm probably going to change at least one of like a bunch of the names. Um, mm-hmm beyond this draft because um margaret i actually really like that name for the main character uh but her ex-husband's name i've had a hard time with that one and i've named him mitchell i feel like that seems like a guy who could be a dick but the thing is like then like the together they were margaret mitchell and i'm like that's a real person and that's also awkward (laughs) for me and it's like too many m's Minolaiki, and then like I gave her the last name Hatcher for a second, and I was like Margaret Hatcher. So oh, it's it's Margaret Thatcher <laughs> <laughs> and Margaret Mitchell Thatcher. I was like oh, no 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 no, it's too wrong. It's it's wrong. So like it's all a mess right now too. All right, huh? Okay, those are my my questions for right now. Um, I have one more question before we head out. Neil, yes. what have you named your book? Oh, it's a working title and I hate it. <laughs> so I just like, because NaNoWriMo's like, announce your book. And it's like, you know, something to like name my files on my computer and, and all that stuff. And then, of course, Claire made me a very beautiful book cover to post on NaNoWriMo, which I really appreciate. But I hate the name of my book right now, which is just The Bed and Breakfast. <laughs> It's going to be something good. I'm always really bad at titles. Mm. That's really marketable, though. (laughs) It really is. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) I don't don't know. Claire, what's the name of your book? Um, The House Guest. Also very Um, marketable. (laughs) And I'm definitely playing around with some of the ideas, like she's almost a guest in her own house, like this guy coming in is the guest, Mm -hmm. like that somebody else is the guest. But I'm fucking 40 pages in, and we just met our man. And I'm like, fuck, who knows what the fuck this book is. <laughs> <laughs> There's um, a book by Sarah Waters called The Paying Guest. It's very good. I recommend it. Mm. But yeah, also, I think working title. But I also like my book cover very much. It, like, it's, it's very evocative of something. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> <laughs> it makes me feel feelings, but... What am feelings? What am feelings? <laughs> I don't know what they are. I'm trapped in a book. I don't understand my feelings. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we should get going. I mean, I have to write a chapter on moving a bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe I'll include a chapter about moving a bathtub, too. <laughs> Because, of course, the bed and breakfast is an old Victorian mansion, so there's a clawfoot tub in the lover's suite. Oh, she's uh. redoing her house. Of course she's going to have to move a bathroom. I, I 100% did write a paragraph of them moving a refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> right now, now 
you can there write is an, an email. alternate universe Claire who is reading this completed novel and is furious about it. <laughs> yeah, you should write an email to uh, I forget their name who wrote the the doctor's and book. Apologize and apologize deeply. Like, I apologize. I'm no, sorry. No, uh, I did the exact same thing with a refrigerator. We don't even need an alternate universe Claire. Present universe Claire is upset. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think um, I think we should call that quickie clicked. Um, I don't think it was very quick, but sure. And uh, yeah, I think let's do this again next week. Yeah. See where we are. Update mm-hmm. each other. Great. Yeah. Yay. Same, same NaNoWriMo time, same NaNoWriMo place. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I guess uh, I want to thank you, Neil. Thank you, Claire. Thank you, Christine. <gasps> thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Christine. Thank you, authors. Oh, wait, that's us. Tee. Oh. <laughs> 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 thank you, uh, listeners. Thank you. Thank you, listeners. Thank you to all the other participants in NaNoWriMo. Thank Just, you, NaNoWriMo. Like, existing kind of helps. Yes, thank you, NaNoWriMo. I um, was looking forward to seeing, because we met our, like, what are they called? Like, our area representatives or whatever. Like, uh-huh. the people who are part of NaNoWriMo to, for, like, San Francisco. We met them a couple years ago, and they were so much fun. And I'm like, oh, we're not going to get to, like hang out this year so that's a yeah. but, um, yeah. but yeah so thank you NaNoWriMo for thank all the you good so much. you do. And if anybody feels like supporting all of those writers without actually writing yourself you can just throw a couple of bucks towards NaNoWriMo and mm-hmm. keep that really fun organization going and if you feel like doing some writing it's not too late No, you, can, you won't get the badge saying that you update it every day but you could still write a novel it's not too late not too late and what's more important a novel or a badge a novel mm-hmm. but oh badges are great badges are great mm-hmm. too Ugh. so I mean I guess the last thing we have to say is as long as you can do it safely and as long as you can be <laughs> healthy <laughs> 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 <laughs>